Welcome to the B'nai International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. We're talking about the President's announcement recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and speculating on next steps in the region and what may come next for the peace process and diplomacy. But first, some housekeeping. Be sure to visit our website, benabrit.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. Joining me today is our Director of Legislative Affairs and Deputy Director of Benebris International Center for Human Rights and Public Policy, Eric Fussfield. We'll be discussing the historic announcement by President Trump on December 6th, recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. This announcement represents a significant and historic departure from the way that previous administrations have dealt with the issue. During his televised announcement about the decision, Trump emphasized the long-standing history of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and the Jewish people. He also reiterated his call for a peaceful resolution to the Israeli-Arab conflict. So, what does this announcement mean? What are the implications for both Israel and the United States, as well as for the Israeli-Palestinian issue going forward? Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, this is an announcement that is 22 years in the making. I say 22 because it was 1995 that Congress passed legislation uh, requiring the U.S. to move its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and each president since then has signed uh, a waiver postponing the move until now. But in reality, it's a decision that should have been made 69 years ago uh, from Israel's creation. Ever since Israel was created, the U.S. has had a policy that is oddly disconsonant with the facts on the ground. It, it's, it's self-evident that Jerusalem is Israel's capital. It, it, it has always been regarded as such uh, by the state of Israel, by the Jewish people, and all of Israel's most important government institutions are housed in Jerusalem. That was never going to change. We now, the U.S. now has a policy that reflects this reality. And the acceptance of that reality means that any um, uh, U.S. involvement in the region going forward will be uh, uh, more closely linked to the facts, will be more tethered to the facts, rather than to fantastic notions of what might be that won't do anything to make peace more possible. You know, there's a tendency sometimes to make this issue more complicated than it really is. And truth be told, uh, there has been a double standard, an international double standard relating to Israel and Jerusalem as its capital. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, we, European countries, Latin Americans, Asian countries, all have this reciprocal recognition of other countries' capitals, and only Israel's has been in abeyance, even though people have said, as you've just said, Israel has its uh, Knesset, the parliament is there, and the Supreme Court, and so forth. But there still has been this kind of double standard and uh, kicking the can down the road uh, for something that 
was uh, should have been happened, as you said, 69 years ago, and that is the uh, the only way that we deal in diplomacy. We recognize uh, Canada's capital, and we recognize Mexico's capital, and that's that's what countries do. So this does correct a a historic wrong, um, and the president has said that uh, this essentially should not prejudice the idea of a negotiation between Israelis and Palestinians going forward. I think it's important, uh, given all of the criticism that's come out, not only from the Palestinians, but from the Arab world and from around the world, um, that uh, the Palestinians have had chances, many chances along the way since Oslo. If we want to start with the peace process in 1993, four different Israeli prime ministers have placed various offers on the table to resolve the conflict. And so they've waited this long. Palestinians haven't gone to the table really for um, uh, real negotiations across the table. And um, this uh, is, is something which um, hopefully will not will not prejudice uh, a forthcoming negotiation, but certainly was the right thing to do for Israel, for the Jewish people, and maybe even for the peace process in terms of this being a wake-up call to the Palestinians, that the time will not wait any longer. One of the most basic rights of statehood is the right to decide where your country's capital is. And Israel, in this category, like in many other categories, is uh, treated as sui generis by the international community. It's, it's distinct, it's unique, not in a good way. Uh, in that they're not allowed somehow to decide where their capital is. And this has added to the perception, certainly in the Arab world, that Israel's existence is temporary. It's fleeting. Um, it's just uh, they're not, they don't have a real capital. It's not a real country. Eventually, the country will disappear. And this chips away at that notion. But uh, another thing that this declaration does is it serves as a thundering rebuke to declarations by international institutions, such as UNESCO, such as the UN Security Council. To this this idea that the the um, international community has fed the Palestinians that they can be rewarded by their intransigence, e even refusing to come to the table and negotiate with Israelis, the uh, international community will reward them with things. They will reward them with uh, critique of Israeli settlements. They will reward them with. Absurd declarations at UNESCO diminishing, minimizing Israel's ties to Jerusalem and to the Jewish character of Jerusalem. And this, um, this declaration by the U.S. Um, stands in contrast to the, um, to, to this, uh, Increasing trend because the the Palestinians have, oh, in recent years, taken their campaign to the world body because they know they can achieve success there. And with this declaration, the U.S. has said we're going to stop the line here and now, at least on Jerusalem status, as Israel's capital. Practically speaking, 
Going back to the double standard issue, we've had such absurd situations, and this went to the, the courts uh, not too long ago, where um, a baby, an American citizen, uh, born in a hospital in Jerusalem, has on his or her passport uh, place of birth Jerusalem. Uh, rather than Jerusalem, Israel. We had a situation, even when, with the president visiting Israel a few months ago, where um, out of the White House, there were, there were the State Department, I've forgotten which, uh, there were releases, press releases, which originally had the dateline as Jerusalem, Israel, then was taken back, and Jerusalem, only Jerusalem, was there as the dateline. Uh, we have a situation where the U.S. consulate in, in West Jerusalem reports not to the embassy, U.S. embassy, which is now in Tel Aviv, uh, but instead back to the State Department. So this declaration hopefully will also uh, deal with those um, shortcomings, more than shortcomings, uh, and uh, again, uh, correct this, uh, this historic injustice, would you say? Oh, there are a number of, the declaration that President Trump made is really the first in a series of steps that should and we expect will be taken. And with regard to the Jerusalem passport issue, this is a battle that's been taken all the way to the Supreme Court. B'nai B'rith has joined that battle. We have co-submitted an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief, in a case um, where um, this issue came before the nine justices. And it, it, it should now be the case, it has not been the right of American citizens born in Jerusalem to identify Israel as their country of birth. That should change now. Um, the, the consulate in Jerusalem should now report to the Israeli embassy, not directly to the State Department, as though Jerusalem is a separate country somehow. That should change. And uh, State Department... The U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv. To the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv, which should oversee the Jerusalem consulate. And uh, State Department pronouncements about uh, visits by U.S. officials to Jerusalem should carry a dateline, Jerusalem, Israel, instead of just Jerusalem. And uh, there have been moments in the past where there were awkward exchanges by State Department spokespersons uh, with reporters about what the U.S. was doing in Jerusalem, and they would include um, this, you know, repetition of mantras like, Jerusalem is a matter to be decided between the parties. Well, do you mean West Jerusalem or do you mean just East Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a matter to, for a negotiation between the parties. And it's embarrassing and it was an avoidance of an obvious reality which is that Jerusalem is already the capital and the borders could be negotiated in the future but for now already it is Israel's capital. Now the announcement by the president talks also about the embassy, the issue of moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which is where it should if we're recognizing Jerusalem as the, as the capital. And he talked about the architects and the, uh, those who would uh, um, acquire the, the property to, uh, to build uh, an embassy. Um, there was a time when there were some embassies of other countries in Jerusalem. They moved out after one crisis or another. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, notwithstanding um, the international response to this, uh, whether or not some countries will begin to consider following in our footsteps and transferring their embassies from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. 
Um, it's, uh, it's worth noting that a couple of countries already this week um, have indicated something like that. Um, we'll see what happens going forward. But I think that's another important sign that despite the, the initial firestorm of criticism in some places, uh, that in fact when this all bottoms out in the coming weeks, we may see uh, this, uh, 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 some countries at least, uh, following in the, the footsteps of this declaration yesterday. It, it's another one of these instances where the U.S. has to lead the way. If they don't make a move like this, other countries will not. There was a time not so long ago when there were at least two countries, uh, Costa Rica and El Salvador, with embassies in Jerusalem. But... You know, eventually the pressure for them to move their embassies to Tel Aviv just was overwhelming for two small, for two small countries that didn't have a great deal of influence on the international stage. They, it, it was an awkward position for them to stand alone. Well, countries in that situation won't be standing alone anymore because the U.S. has taken this step, and other countries who align themselves with us or think similarly to our country on these issues uh, are in a position to take the same step. Let's go back to the, the peace process for a second. Uh, with this announcement, really, the train has left the station. I think you, you put it well. Basically, markers have now been thrown down. Um, and the president has said not only that Jerusalem is the, the capital of Israel, but he also said that uh, this should not preclude the, the uh, 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 negotiations uh, taking place. Palestinians, again, turned down many, many opportunities. Um, their response uh, to this uh, is, is predictable. But at the end of the day, um, the peace process is the only game in town. The question is whether or not they're really serious. Are they serious about a negotiation? Are they serious? about a resolution of this conflict or, or not. And uh, again, the important thing here in making this announcement is that the train has left the station. Now, whether or not they come to the table, uh, we'll have to see in, in the coming weeks and coming months. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is it is the only game in town. And if they're serious, we'll know very, very soon. Uh, it appears uh, that, um, again, uh, they will turn away from it. And that, uh, I think, tells us a lot. Well, it, it, it's tempting to cite the old Abba Ibn line that the Palestinians never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Um, if they had... Um, stuck with the agreement that was worked out at Camp David II in 2000, then we would be observing, we would have observed this year the 17th anniversary of Palestinian statehood. And that's just one example of where they turned out an opportunity uh, for... The difference, you know, the difference now yeah. for them is that there, there are new dynamics taking place in the region. Uh, it used to be that this was the only game in town. Uh, now you have crises everywhere you look. You have Iraq and you have Syria, of course. You have North Africa. You have problems in Libya. You have problems in Sinai. You have problems in Yemen. Uh, you have problems with Hezbollah and Hamas. You have problems everywhere. But at the, the end of the day, 
the, the Palestinian issue has really been ratcheted down, given, for example, the Saudi-Iranian rivalry and given all of the other things that are going on in the region. So uh, this is not um, anymore um, the, the only, as I say, the only, the only game in town, the only, the only show here. Uh, there, are other, there are other issues, and it could be that uh, given uh, the severity of those issues, uh, that, um, uh, you know, once again, the Palestinians will you know, turn away. Yeah, there are other things going on in the region, but I also feel like the international community keeps handing the Palestinians lifelines. Uh, a a, a one-sided pro-Palestinian uh, resolution passed by the Security Council last December, a series of UNESCO resolutions on Jerusalem, all pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, uh, most recently this past May. So there are things happening that continue to put the Palestinians back in the spotlight. Now, what the Palestinians have not offered is a serious uh, indication of willingness to negotiate. They've offered pretext, though. Uh, they have offered, and once again, we're hearing this now with the latest declaration by the U.S., the threat of mob violence that has been held over Israel at every key step um, in the conflict is, is, is being levied again now. And the Palestinians have held uh, Israel, and by extension the U.S., over a barrel on this for decades. If you make this step, there will be rioting in the streets. Um, so this is what we've seen from the Palestinians so far, not a real willingness to take resolution and, and uh, reconciliation to the next step. Well, I, would, I don't want to trivialize it, but I'm reminded of um, one of the last scenes in The Wizard of Oz where the wizard is standing behind the curtain and Toto tears down the curtain, and you see the great and mighty wizard has spoken and the curtain comes down. Uh, it may be that after this very important declaration by the president, that these efforts by the Palestinians in the United Nations and the international community, multilateral fora, uh, to continue to demonize and delegitimize and do all of those things uh, that they do in order to avoid uh, some kind of, of resolution of the conflict, it could be that they will have less traction going forward. And um, we'll know that. We'll, we'll watch the UN, of course, been ever very active as an NGO at the UN. We'll watch that going forward. But my guess is that, that what happened as a result of the December 6th announcement will, um, over time, begin to erode uh, the activity that they've engaged in, which is to demonize and delegitimize Israel. I, I think that th the curtain has been pulled back, as you say. Threats of uh, threats of violence, peace, prospe peace prospects will diminish. We'll see how this plays out in the long term. For now, there may be um, an initial backlash, but it may look very different weeks or months from now. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Please visit our website, benabrith.org. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For my colleague Eric Fussfield, I'm Dan Mariashin. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast.